You cannot keep interrupting. No, 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 no. I'm having, I'm having a conversation. I'm having a Walter, I'm right here, baby. Patina, stop embarrassing me again. You're getting me in trouble. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of Gay Side Stories, where the gay shit goes. I am your host, Trillificent. Thank you so much for joining me for another week. Remember, you guys, you can listen to this show on Pippa, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, SoundCloud, Google Play Music, slash Google Podcasts, their brand new app, YouTube, CastBox, Stitcher, Acast, TuneIn, or at GaySideStories.com slash shows. Please remember to use the hashtag GaySidePod when you are live tweeting about the show while you're listening. Remember, the GaySide culture information is in the show notes. If I have reached out to you to be a part of it and you have not submitted your soundbite or if you're just now hearing about it and you want to contribute, please uh, get in contact with me. Last thing, you guys, I know last week I announced that I was going on a break for the summer, but I did this episode in the middle of this past week and I didn't want to hold it hostage until August. However, this... This right here that you're hearing right now is going to be the last episode for a little while. In the meantime, please feel free to go back and listen to one or preferably more of the other 71 episodes that are in the feed. And hopefully you guys enjoy that. If you hear some things that you have forgotten about or if you're listening for the first time, go ahead and tweet that stuff out. Put it in your memory banks. Maybe you can submit it for a best of for the two year anniversary. You know, whatever. Float your boat. Find your lost remote. So now let's get into this week's episode. All right, you guys, this week I have a very special guest and I'm actually going to let him introduce himself. Hey guys, it's Ian Haddock. I am one of the co-hosts of Dick in the Box podcast. I'm also uh, a published author and published writer. I'm super excited to do this. Um, It's a bomb-ass topic, so I'm excited to get into it. Thank you for coming. Absolutely. Um, I I joked about this on Twitter, but I I tweeted that... uh, Somebody that I was scared to ask to collaborate agreed. Because <laughs> I'm scared. Because I'm weird. <laughs> Don't mind me. I'm like, you know, ain't nobody interested in my little shit show. I but, love it. You know, I you know we've been following each other on Instagram for a little while, and I was like, I want to have him on the show. I I think he would bring an interesting element, but I'm scared. <laughs> I'd be scary when it comes to my show But I did it and you're here So we are going to have a good time Absolutely And before we get into things Why don't you uh, tell my listeners What the podcast Dick in the Box is about A Houston based podcast by the way Shout yes. out to the H Town H motherfucking town So Dick in the Box is just about this concept That um, gay men People think gay men can't be dicks 
I think we're all dicks. Um, we just have different boxes. So it's opening up any box um, a black and or queer person may have. Uh, we talk about fun stuff such as, you know, um, fucking and what sex look like. Listen, uh, I'm like getting into it. Woo! <laughs> Had and, to pin uh, my wig down at work today. <laughs> and uh, But we also talk about spirituality. We talk about... Um, we talk about our relationship with men. Uh, we talk about community work. We talk about anything, anything that looks like a box to us. And we try to open it up and um, and give the people what they want. Sounds good. It's good to see another LGBT podcast, especially with black folk yes. running at the helm. <laughs> um, and it's good to see another Houston podcast pop up, to be quite honest. Yes, I feel like people think Houston would be a very heavy podcast market, but I don't know if there are a lot of podcasts out of the city, especially no, not LGBT. Not. So I'm glad no. to see you guys pop up, and I'm glad that we get to collaborate. And I'm, I'm, exci- I'm, ex- I'm excited because what you what you have done is um, for me, you have pushed uh, pushed the envelope on what um, LGBT podcasting looks like, black podcasting look like. Um, and so I think although it may be, may look weird at first to people that were collabing, um, I think it's perfect, actually. Oh, if I was human, I would shed a little tear. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so enough of that stuff. Let's get into some different things we're going to start off with the come quick segment i'm gonna come sir oh yeah so first up man who used grinder to drug and rape victims gets 23 years in prison yeah so sam ashley received a 23 year prison sentence after using grinder to drug and rape people according to the crown prosecution service also known as the cps the 30-year-old from Ferrum, England, would use the app and contact men before meeting them in Portsmouth. After meeting up with them, he used a variety of ways to drug his victims, including GHB and diazepam, or a combination. Then he attacked and raped them when they were in a quote-unquote stupefied state. In three instances, Ashley spiked the drinks of the men he met via Grinder. Another thought Ashley was giving him painkillers for a headache. It's also not the first time people have abused the app to commit crimes. I've talked about this a couple of times on this show. Earlier this year, a man was sentenced to life in prison for meeting men on Grinder and then deliberately infecting them with HIV. And here in Texas, a group of men used the app to rob and assault gay men. And I believe a couple of weeks ago, I talked about that. An update to that case, I believe they all got sentenced to various amounts of jail time. Mm. But what do you think about this? Because so I've been on this kind of crusade where I'm trying to remind people that just because you see more gay faces on Instagram and on Twitter and on TV and you see people in the community doing different things it doesn't mean that it's all shits and giggles like we're still out here we are still a marginalized group in every sense of the term 
Yes, yes. It, it, this story is actually really reminiscent of um, Jamil Moore and Ed Buck. Um, so I don't know if you know about this story, but basically um, Ed Buck um, allegedly was attracted to these gay men getting high, um, uh, gay men who were into sex work, uh, young gay men who were into sex work. And pretty much what he would do is he would get them high and he would pay them an elaborate amount of money um, and um, he would invite them to invite their friends and it was just a mess. Um, it just shows you that our, back, our black bodies are no different um, than they were centuries ago. Um, we're still o- overtly sexualized um, and people are still using our bodies like, I mean, you know, a fucking fleshlight, you know what I'm saying? It's just for pleasure. So like it ain't shits and giggles. Um, Real life is still out there. Um, mm-hmm. What you see on Instagram a lot of times ain't what the fuck is going on. If you see all these people at all these different prides, doing all these different things, some of these people, you know, we do have successful gay men who live um, very good lives, but there are also a sector of gay men um, who who still have to hustle um, right. to get what they want. And a lot of times that looks like going on grinder to get dates and not only that since you brought up the prize because i did have a another story that i read about guys being attacked leaving pride but the thing Mm -hmm. that i want people to really understand is there are people men i should say let's call it what it is that use our own safe spaces against us safe spaces that we I don't know who is the actual creator of Grinder, but Grinder is for gay men. We know that to be true. And for yeah. people that hate us so much to go in and use our own apps against us. Like we, <laughs> we're just trying to live, we're just trying to get some dick, we're just trying to get some ass or you know, circle jerk, whatever it is that you're into and we can't even do that without fear of having our lives taken, being robbed, being beaten, being raped. No shade, though. No shade. And I am not shaming on any level, body shaming or otherwise, because I am fluffy and fine, okay? <laughs> um, but if you look at Sam Ashley, she is atrocious. No shade. Uh, she is not a cute guy. Um, so it does It does make me wonder, like, so what is, um, what is this, 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 this predator, if you will, um, bringing to the table? What is... Um, the interest. I also think that there's an underlying uh, conversation about like our drug use, right, and um, right. and our substance abuse, right? Because I can't I can't picture um, someone who has a level of self esteem going over to Sam Ashley, and if y'all look him up, y'all see what I'm talking about, Sam Ashley, <laughs> and sleeping with him for fun. So it has to be something more than that. So it's either low self-esteem, money, or substance abuse. And so that is another conversation that, you know, we're really uncomfortable having. And I did not consider that. I'm going to be honest because he's (laughs) white and this is in England. I just kind of wrote it off as, I mean, maybe they're not as... 
but th- that's a that's a can of worm. There, there, that's a box <laughs> that you have opened. That <laughs> we're not gonna dig through that box, <laughs> not on this episode. <laughs> I'm with you, but I'm you had you. you you have a a point. I will not yeah. deny that. Good yeah. luck, twenty three years. <laughs> I mean, honestly, you raping multiple people. Twenty three years yeah. is a light sentence, but yeah. Yeah, at least he's not still out here terrorizing people. Absolutely, and now and now his hole is being terrorized, and he don't have none of those substances that he was giving those bitches. Oh, good so luck, now, everybody. Hopefully, your hole won't be intact after you uh, finish, Ashley. Good luck, everybody. <laughs> Whew, okay, so we're gonna go from a semi good story to a very sad story. Yeah, and the next one is parents likely beat ten year old boy to death for being gay, and I just saw this pop up today. So the parents likely beat a ten year old boy to death for announcing that he quote unquote liked boys. Investigators have said his name was Anthony Avalos, and he was found dead in his Lancaster, California home last week. He had died after a series of head injuries that his mother claimed came from a fall the young victim was also covered in cigarette burns he and his siblings had also been repeatedly abused according to teachers counselors and family members it is likely that the 10 year old boy was beat to death for announcing he liked boys avalos's aunt maria Barron, repeatedly warned officials about avalos's mother heather Barron, and her boyfriend kareem leva who subsequently has been convicted of domestic abuse in 2010. Barron described horrific treatment of Avalos and his siblings, including beatings, starvation, sexual abuse, being locked in small spaces, and denial of water. Despite teachers, family members, and counselors warning of horrific treatment, It is unknown why Avalos was allowed to remain under the care of his allegedly abusive parents. DCFS director said it was premature to say Avalos's torture and death was a failure of the welfare system. So, um, again, I, I chose this story as a reminder that as we said before, with the last story is not all shits and giggles out here. It, And this is, to me, almost on another level because people fail to realize that you run the risk of losing your life to your own family members just for being who you are. This is a 10-year-old boy. Mm. He may not have even understood what he was talking about when he said, I like boys. He could have just been saying whatever. He could have been repeating something. And even if he wasn't, even if he was cognizant of what he was saying, that was no reason for him to lose his life. Amongst amidst all of the abuse that he apparently has been suffering, because when he died, he had cigarette burns and people just why? Why would a 10 year old have cigarette burns if they're not being abused? Yeah, that's like a that's like abuse one on one for children but go ahead what were you gonna say no 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 i just i just wanted to speak anthony avalos name uh rest in peace 
yes. beautiful, beautiful creature. Um, but you know, this, uh, this is so disheartening to me. Um, we're working on a project here in Houston with impulse group, um, called barbershop conversations. And one of the things that we talked about is, uh, the new generation, um, has this expectation of the general public, um, to accept them because uh-huh. they, because we are more visible, right? Um, as you talked about at the beginning of the show, we are more visible. People are seeing us more. Um, people are transitioning to different genders quicker. Um, but the reality is um, in non-urbanized areas or in people with different um, sociocultural standards, right? Mm-hmm. Um, sexuality, is, sexuality and gender is a huge thing. And, it's unfortunate. Um, I came out probably when I was 16 or 17 and it was difficult, but I had two years before I was out my parents' house, before I was away from my older brothers who um, tried to beat it out of me and my mom who tried to emotionally um, abuse it out of me, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, so I left. I hit it and I lived my life. It was a struggle. Um, and me and my mom didn't get close until a couple years prior to passing, but I get it. But when you are, when you are speaking your truth at 10, um, you can't run away. And so it's unfortunate that, um, that we're not seeing the signs, but I think this is a testament to us as a community that, that we, we are surely nowhere near the end of the fight, um, that there's much work to be done. That although you are comfortable in your skin and you have Instagram and likes and followers and Facebook and videos and lives to like get you through and to pull you through and make you feel beat, um, that there are there are kids like this that are still being murdered mm-hmm. by the people close to them because they're not accepted. So this is this is this is this is the work that we must continue to do. Correct. And it's another story because it wasn't too long ago that there was a story of a, I want to say a 14 year old boy whose father killed him 14 or maybe 16. And that was a black boy. Yeah. His father killed him as you said, he would rather have a dead son than a gay son. Yeah. So I agree with you. There's still work to be done. Not only just to, preserve these lives of these young people but to change the rhetoric and to change the minds in the community because it doesn't matter what's going on there should never be an instance where we hear about a parent killing a child especially over something like sexuality it's such a minute part of what makes a person a whole person but but i also want to offer this to any listeners that may or may not identify as queer, specifically may not identify as queer. Mm-hmm. Um, it is difficult. Um, it is difficult for one to say that sexuality is minute, although it is true. It's difficult for one that only identifies as something that is quote unquote normal in society to understand that mm-hmm. because a lot of them um, base their self-esteem off of who they have sex with, which is why they produce babies. Right. That's very and true. So, Good point. And so, and so a lot of them have a hard time separating 
um, sexuality and sex because right. the only way they show their sexuality is through sex, right? right. Um, but God's chosen folk, i.e. black queer folk, um, we we have a special magic that um, that expands us. I mean, we have a whole culture, whole separate culture. So to us, we understand that it's minute, but I just wanted to offer to them um, on, on their behalf that it is difficult but it's it's still not okay. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I'm not saying it's easy to swallow because we know that parents basically map out their children's lives way ahead of time before the child even knows who they are, before they're probably even in school, hell, but probably when they're still in the womb. And I completely agree with you that can be difficult i imagine it would be difficult to divorce that vision that you had and accept what's being presented in front of you however mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. however difficult that may be do it taking your child's life is never the answer yeah yeah you know, absolutely I, I don't even want to call that extreme because that is just it's unacceptable yes better word unacceptable do that work you are the parent you are the adult life is not easy shit happens <laughs> yeah. but yeah you just have to do you have to deal play with the cards that you're dealt so again i want to say rest in peace to anthony avalos and i really hope that the people his parents i really hope that they that justice is served uh, you saying it nice. Them hoes need to rot in jail. Well, when I say justice is served, <laughs> that can mean an array of things. <laughs> I just didn't want to go down the list because I was thinking a whole lot of different things. Justice is served, and then you, as the listener, you insert what your idea of justice is. If you want, if they deserve to have some hot fire poker stuck up their ass, whatever you feel <laughs> is justice in this instance, go with that. Yeah, but fuck them. Yeah. All right, so let's slide on over to the main topic. We are going to be discussing heteronormativity. And I think that this is a very interesting topic because I've seen this come up on Twitter a few times amongst the queer community about subscribing to heteronormative ideas so i'm very curious to see what your thoughts are and how we can shape this conversation so i want to start with uh, a definition of what heteronormativity is for anyone who may be a little confused um so and this is from wikipedia which is from another site you know how people copy and paste on wikipedia It says heteronormativity is the belief that people fall into distinct and complementary genders, i.e. male and female, with natural roles in life. It assumes that heterosexuality is the only sexual orientation or only norm and that sexual and mental relations most or only fitting between people of opposite sexes. So basically, to break that down a little bit, it is the belief that 
a man is a man and a man should do man things. A woman is a woman and a woman should do woman things. And that's it. There's no variance. There are no other ways that the pairings can be done. It's just strictly man, woman, woman cooks and cleans. She knows her role and her place. The man, uh, man does man <laughs> things. I'm going to leave it at that. Cause men are real funny about what their roles are in these kind of situations. Right. Women would be, would probably say, Oh, he takes care of the house, you know, fixes things, takes care of the cars, brings home the bacon, et cetera, et cetera. But men, straight men y'all be y'all look a little funny in the light when it comes to this kind of stuff anyway yes <laughs> <laughs> so let's start off with some examples of heteronormativity uh the first one i got this from pride.com and some of these i'm not sure i agree with but i want to run through them and see what you think the first one says the first example of heteronormativity gay white men dominating queer tv representation and white cis men playing trans women mm. i don't know if this exactly is an example of heteronormativity as much <laughs> as it's an example of something that is problematic within the queer community yeah 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 i don't see heteronormativity either because we know that more trans people need to be playing trans roles. We know that white cis men don't need to be getting every role despite sexuality because it's hard for queer people to get roles, even for queer parts. Yeah, it sounds like it sounds like white privilege for the first one and cis privilege for the second one. Correct. I mean, I don't I don't know if that's heteronormative. Agreed. So the next one says the nation organizing for gay marriage, but not for trans lives. Um, I'm still going to have to say, I don't know how this is an example of heteronormativity. I don't know who wrote this on pride.com, but uh, again, this is an example of something that is problematic, <laughs> but not necessarily heteronormativity. Yeah. So the last one from Pride.com says a privileged set of hierarchies, social norms, and expectations that case the oppressed to oppress one another. I still I That's mm. reaching, but I can kind of see that one. You had me with the hierarchies and the social norms, and then you lost me with the oppression. Well, I guess it depends on how you look at it. Because one yeah. could argue that if it's a heteronormative role and you're putting two, let's say, putting two gay men into it and the top is the man, quote unquote, the bottom is the woman, quote unquote. And you, in a lot of instances, I won't say usually, but in a lot of instances, we know that men oppress women. So I agree. Yeah. It's a reach, but I guess depending yeah. on where you stick the Lego pieces in that argument, it makes <laughs> a little bit of sense. Yeah. So I want to move on to some more examples that a couple that I came up with. And then if you have any. Okay. So my first example of heteronormativity is thinking or someone thinking or someone asking you, are you the husband? Or are you the wife? When they, mm -hmm. If you with your little boo or if you having like a pre date before the hookup, 
mm-hmm. whatever the case may be, and people see you. And I've encountered this even with friends. Just it just it's the only way that they know how to process it until they get checked. It's like, well, are you the are you the boy or are you the girl in a relationship? And it's like, mm-hmm. well, everyone has a penis. <laughs> and everyone is masculine presenting so your question does not compute yeah but I think that that's an example of people feeling like heterosexuality is the only thing and it's the norm and it's what they're used to and they're trying to find a way to fit that peg into that slot where it doesn't fit Yeah, if that makes sense Absolutely. So my other example is, and this one may be a little controversial depending on how you feel about it, but good luck, everybody. (laughs) And that is tops thinking that they should be catered to the way hetero women cater to hetero men and vice versa. Yes. I feel like that's probably the easiest example for one to come up with. And I see I've seen it a lot. I've seen, I mean, whole rhetorics. You get on Twitter, they have whole threads about why the top should pay for everything and why the top should do this and do that and do this because the bottom is getting fucked. And then the bottom should be taking care of his top and cooking and cleaning and rubbing his feet and clipping his toenails and brushing his hair and doing the cater to you choreography in the (laughs) living room every day. And it's just like, do you honestly feel that these are things that should be happening or do you feel this way because you're trying to fit what you think a relationship is based off of that heteronormative ideal to this relationship that you're having with another man? Yeah. Yeah. I I think, I think a, a, um, a, a good way to look at it um, is and this kind of like goes across many different intersections, but a good way to look at it is a trans woman has to be the submissive or receptive partner, right? Right. Um, that's really uh, based on like a, a sense of heteronormativity, right? That because you identify with the woman, um, because your your gender um, that you that you have taken on is that of a woman, now that you can't use your penis right you right. can't be quote unquote a top or that you being the top um demotes you to a gay man if you will right and i would even push that a little bit further and say not just gender as far as identifying as female but i would probably say anything feminine because how yeah. often do we see the flack and the jokes about feminine tops yeah yeah i yeah. think it's femininity versus the actual gender yeah but yeah. your specific yeah, example you. is is also spot on yeah uh any other examples uh, something else that's heteronormative, something simple, mm-hmm. something simple and stupid. <laughs> heteronormativity. Men can't wear pink. You know, something yeah. simple. You know, yeah. uh, there's this idea that colors, um, colors give you an idea of who that person is. I mean, from birth, you know, boys wear blue, girls wear 
a pink, especially now that we're doing these gender re- reveals or whatever. So Ooh. you're based on your color. We put colors next to, you know, your gender or whatever. So there's an idea that men can't wear certain colors. Bitch, I'm putting on whatever my fluffy ass look good in. Every color, listen. Every <laughs> Black people look good in every color. We're going to wear yeah. every motherfucking color. Yeah. Along that same veining, I just thought of another example and this is something that I hate to see, but I know straight people love to do it. And it's mostly with little boys when they get them those shirts that are like, oh, something I'm a lady killer or things okay. like that. Or if it's, you know, a good looking little boy, they'll be like, oh, you know, he going to have all the hoes when he. And it's just like, why do y'all do that? That is so that's a baby. Let him be a baby. Yeah, you complain yeah. about them not staying a baby for very long, but then you want to try to age them up when they are, yeah. and you don't know what that child is gonna be. You don't know what they what love for them is going to look like. Absolutely. But because we have it in our heads and it's just ingrained, it's chiseled that this is a boy. He gonna like girls, and that's all there is to it. It yep. comes out like that, and, and it's a whole market, and it's shirts, and it's bibs, and I, I just, oh, man, I hate seeing that so much. <laughs> it's just, it just sickens me. But anyway, um, <laughs> so let's let's open this box. Okay. And get into it a little bit deeper. So why do you think the LGBT community struggles with heteronormativity? Because uh, all we have seen, um, all we have seen to me uh, is an example of heterosexual love, right? Which hasn't always been functional or isn't always functional. Um, Mm -hmm. But that's what we see. Mm -hmm. Um, And going back to like gay white men dominating queer TV representation, I would argue argue the only part of that being heteronormative um, is the fact that um, seeing a gay white man is so much further um, on TV than seeing like a black straight couple. I think as black queer folk, uh, we we identify more with black straight people than mm-hmm. we do gay white people. Because um, them whites, woo, <laughs> ghetto child. <laughs> no, I just, I just, you know, and so, and so, it's easy for us to want to mirror our relationships like that of the people that we see. And so, um, and then like society says that that's what we have to do. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, two women, two women, you, you are not a real lesbian unless there's a man and a woman in the society's eyes, you know? Right. Um, you are not a real gay couple unless, um, well, it depends on who you're talking to. You're not a real gay couple in women's eyes if there's not a man and a woman in a straight man's eyes you're not a real gay couple unless we can't tell right right Um, Mm. so all of this breeds like this sense of heteronormativity right Mm -hmm. so when i'm around my straight boys me and my man gotta be like homies when i'm around the girls we gotta vogue and death drop you know what i'm saying but only one of you only one only one right so basically it's that it's the noah and wade complex Yes, yes, mm-hmm. yes, absolutely, um, and we're and, and we're broken down by that because then, like, 
we play certain things like even our tops have to look a certain way, our bottoms have to look a certain way. Mm-hmm. I'll tell you this motherfucking thing, and I'll be real clear. I, I talk about this pretty often. I prefer I prefer to serve the dick, but every now and then I will take the dick. And I'll tell you whole something. Uh, <laughs> the best dick is given by feminine tops. Down. Okay. Um, so, <laughs> so just be clear you know what i'm saying y'all missing out yeah um i agree with that there's definitely not enough examples of healthy loving lgbt relationships for people to pull from and from what i've seen the relationships that do exist that are healthy and that people could probably learn from the people are usually private yeah. So it's hard to say, here's an example of a relationship with two men or two women or whatever the case may be that I can I can learn from. I don't want to say emulate because you should never be trying to emulate right. someone else's relationship. That's that's what get a lot of y'all caught out there with that relationship so goal shit. So true. But and from. I I had to concede that people oftentimes need examples in love. To me, I felt like a lot of things when it comes to love should be common sense. And Mm. some of it you kind of figure out through dating. But a lot of people hold that ideal that if I don't see it, if I didn't grow up around it, then I don't understand it. And I... I have to do everything the hard way. So I've, I've conceded on that point and that if you need examples, then have at it. The problem is if the examples are not readily available, then what do you do? That's the problem. People are not adapting to those examples, not being there. And then they just want to blame their shitty behavior and relationship situations on why I never knew what love was look like growing up i don't know how to love a black woman because my mama was single growing up and it's like okay but what are you gonna do about it you 30 yeah. you 33 now like <laughs> come yeah. on you 33 with a trail of broken hearts behind you what are you doing to adapt because you didn't have that example see that's the victimized bullshit everybody want to play the victim yeah um as it relates to love, I will I will also agree um, that it's very difficult when you don't have representation. On the other hand, um, you can also learn to love from not being loved, right? Because you know how that feels. Right. So you know you want to do everything that doesn't make you feel like that, right? Correct. So you can learn the other way. These bitches just want to play victims <laughs> and they want to break hearts. So, you know. I know that's probably another conversation for a different day. Listen, those bitches are are trying. No, but there's absolute truth in what you're saying. So another thing that I think we struggle with as a community is that a lot of people. And it's not just in the community, but we're talking specifically about our community right now. A lot of people conflate their personal experiences with fact. Yeah. So if you have a bad experience if you have good experiences then you think that that is a universal truth mm-hmm. case mm-hmm. in point i'll use myself as an example because you know y'all listen to this show y'all know i put all my business out there i don't care i don't be doing shit <laughs> but 
I don't I, I historically I have not had a lot of good luck with dating. And when I tell people that they're like, I don't understand it, you're this, you're that, you're smart, you're handsome, da 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 and it's like all of that could be true, but my truth is my truth. You feel yeah. like just because I check these boxes to you that I must be desirable, I must have people on my phone, I must have this, I must have that. And it's like, just because that's true for you, that doesn't mean that it's true for all of us. Mm. If that makes sense. And I think a lot of people do that. So they conflate their own personal experiences with facts. So it's like, if they had a situation where, let's say it's a more feminine guy and he found him a Wade and the Wade probably put him through hell. But he feels like that's the way it's supposed to be because... That's my personal experience. That's how it's always supposed to be. I'm always going to have me a man going upside my head, but I'm going to cook him meatloaf and potatoes because that's what I'm supposed to do. And it's like our experiences are our experiences, but that doesn't mean that that's the way life has to be. Yeah. Well, you know, and uh, another you made me think of one since we're we're sharing stories. Mm -hmm. Uh, There's this there's this belief that. and it, to me, it, it relates to our topic. But there's this belief that fluffy dudes um, are two things: um, tricks and um, bottoms. You know, um, tricks. From, okay, this is new. Let me perk up. Let me let me put my headphones <laughs> on right because <laughs> I need no, to hear this. No, because I mean, you know, uh, women women who are you know who who have a little weight on them or. Uh, voluptuous or a little bigger than voluptuous mm-hmm. um that like you know leaner muscular you know twinkie if you mean if you will men uh generally you know they're willing to do whatever they need to do to to to, to be with them um yes because the idea about being big is that it's not the societal norm right and so right in the same way there's this um belief that if you are a thick guy or if you're a bigger guy not in my personal um i personally haven't dealt with this but i have seen other people deal with it like you have a little weight on you they expect you to spend money on them they expect you to take dick all the time they expect you not to have no dick you know what i'm saying Mm -hmm. um oh yeah i did a whole episode about the big boys (laughs) absolutely i know what i know exactly what you mean we did it yeah we had a whole episode Yes. It's like y'all think that big boys not out here getting chose. Y'all think muscular men don't like them. Y'all think big boys are undesirable. Yeah, that they don't deserve to be desired. Cause listen, yes. And this is a little bit of a tangent, but I feel like we're here, so I'm gonna pull up. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of y'all need to watch your friends. If you are a little bit fluffier, as Ian says. And you have friends around you that are not quite as fluffy that always got some slick shit to say. Yeah. You need to watch who you're being friends with because those are people that secretly probably don't like you because you they might like you as a person, but they also don't like you because you're fluffy, because mm-hmm. you're fat, because you're thick, whatever, whatever mm-hmm. term you want to use. I'm not here to police your terms. Yes. Yes. That is such a that's a tr- such a true statement. Um but but it's also it's also uh, about that confidence, right? Yeah, yeah. I was about to get um, because, there too. But go because ahead. Because your friends, your friends could be just like the man that expects that, right? Correct. Because a lot of big boys are also friends with fine men, so that they could fit in. 
and they will still, you know, pay to get into the club and, you know, pay to go on the trip and all that kind of stuff. You know what I'm saying? So mm-hmm. you got you got to be you got you really have to be careful about that. So it really is all about confidence. And I'll tell anybody this big, small, fluffy, fat, uh, muscular, skinny, uh, pale, light, black, dark. Um, if you are confidence is the best outfit. You can get anywhere and anything with confidence. So, bitch, step your pussy up. Hey, <laughs> yes, Madison, girl. <laughs> so, the next one, and it kind of actually piggybacks a little bit off of what you were just saying. I think that a lot of us in the community, especially gay men, they just want a certain type of partner, physically, financially, whatever the case may be. And they would rather fight to try to mold a person that fits one or two criteria to what they want them to be and fit that heteronormative view rather than find someone who already shares the same views. And what I mean by that is let's say you are just a regular schmegular gay dude Mm -hmm. and you like guys that are a little bit more effeminate. And instead of meeting the guys that you meet where they are in terms of personality, body type, et cetera, et cetera, you want to try to mold them to be what you want them to be. So you feel like, well, if I'm dating a feminine dude, then he should know how to cook. And then you come across one that you like. And he's like, listen, sis, the kitchen and I are not friends. And you'll be like, well, you need to learn how to cook instead of being like, okay, well, let's see how we can handle this together. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like, and I could be wrong. Maybe I'm projecting, maybe I'm not. But in my observations, there are a lot of gay men that try to mold somebody to be what they want. And they, and they go through hell because people don't want to be molded. They don't want to be changed by another person can 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 i interject for like for like two seconds please do this is one of my my little pet peeves please do uh these people people listen i know that we live in a microwave society in which everything blossoms quick you can go to dr and get your new ass uh you can go to mexico and become a woman um you can uh get on jacked and be married in two months but look, be clear. Um, if you are, first of all, first of all, I don't understand this this idea of um, like this is what you need to be while we're dating. Um, uh-huh. I can understand if we are deciding to get married that we are starting to um, establish boundaries and establish uh, like what will work in our relationship. But but the reason why a lot of us ain't getting married, my theory is simply because. We are doing things that you would do with a husband to everybody we date. I'm not cooking for nobody, okay? <laughs> I didn't cook for you before I met you, and I'm not cooking for you after I met you. If I cook for you, it's going to be special, and it's going to be purposeful, unless we are cooking to, to share bills. And I'm not sharing bills with you until we have some type of commitment, formal commitment you know what i'm saying a commitment where you can't back out real easy like you know what i'm saying so um you're not getting all of that from me if i'm cooking it's because i want to cook it's because it's special to me to cook if you cook i expect the same thing 
for instance, I was dating this young man, and when he wanted to apologize for something, he wasn't good at apologies, so he cooked me salmon croquette. It's my favorite fucking food. I appreciate it, but he didn't have to do that, right? Because right. I'm not asking him to be my husband when we're dating. Right. But come through with the salmon croquettes, because... Mm. Boots. Listen, that's mm, a little tasty meal. <laughs> I'm just saying. Okay, okay, okay. Let's get back on track. Okay, okay. Yeah. Listen, let me just put this out here. If anybody wants to cook me, never mind. Never mind. <laughs> never mind. Okay. So another thing that I think we struggle with as a community is that the media that people consume it tends to be heterosexual and we touched on this a little bit already and a lot of the heterosexual stories are those fairy tale type stories and so a lot of people get this fairy tale type uh thing in their in their mind that this is what love is or this is what i want love for me to look like mm-hmm. and when it's when it's our media it's trauma porn. Yeah. You know, we see a lot of pain. We see, a, and and they're real stories and they yeah. need to be told. They deserve to be told, but we don't have enough of those fairy tale stories of our own being told and being shown. And a lot of times when they are, they're too unrealistic. Like yeah. I'll go back to the example that I used earlier. I love Noah's Ark. I know it wasn't the best show. I loved it. It had representation. It had gay dudes that look like me but i think we can all agree that noah and wade's relationship was a little unrealistic not the fact that those two types of men couldn't be together but the speed of which it happened the the ease even when they were fighting everything was so easily hammered out it's like that's not real life but how many people saw that show and was like i'm gonna get me a wade yeah, you know what yeah. I mean. We the the examples that we have of our media a lot of the times, or at least the ones that we that are easily accessible, because there are, are different types of stories, but they're hard to find because a lot of a lot of the stories, again, they tell those stories of not being accepted by family and struggling and can't find a job, all that kind of stuff, and those are real. But when it comes to love, a lot of times it's just that snap my fingers and we walking down the aisle. Yeah, It's like, okay, but what about the in-between? It's not that easy for everyone. Not everyone has the confidence or has the just the setup. They may not even live in a town where they can meet guys or girls or whatever they choose in person. You know, some people struggle with the apps no matter how much confidence they have. Like, there's so many different nuances of it. Mm-hmm. And so it it gets to be just difficult to see our sto- those types of stories featuring us. And the other thing, and this may be a little bit of a read, this goes <laughs> out to the gays. We need to be honest about what we want to see, because a lot of the times when we do get good stories, when we do get the moonlights and things of that nature, 
a lot of gays, y'all don't want to support it because y'all really want to see softcore porn. Yeah. And you'll love movies. So we need to be real and we need to be honest about that as well. But uh, my main point is it's hard to pull up a movie and see love and see examples specifically I'm saying for two men because I feel like lesbians their stories are a little bit better their movies are a little bit better a little bit more encompassing but when it comes to men and when it is a good story now we're going to peel back another layer we're going to move some of those shipping peanuts in the box yeah when it comes to men of color a lot of times when you get a story that is a good story, it's a good love story, it's realistic, it's usually interracial. Yeah. So yeah. I think that we as a community, we struggle with that because our media doesn't really reflect what we what we say we want. And then also at the same time, are we being honest about what we really want? Uh, so, you know, it's interesting. I was talking to one of my mentors recently about this. Uh, my mentor is extremely wealthy, um, extremely well, highly, uh, highly educated, uh, highly decorated individual, um, super cool, super attractive, um, only, a, you know, in his 40s, early 40s. So perfect, perfect guy. House, car, second house, you know, perfect guy. And, um, we've been talking a lot about him getting married. So I'm just like going back to what you were talking about earlier. You're a good catch, you know? So, Mm -hmm. you know, let's, let's peel back the layers to why you're not dating. Is it because you don't want to date? He said, no, that's not it, but I can't, I, 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 I'm not turned on by anybody. So I start introducing him to all kinds of what I would consider, uh, consider viable candidates. And, um, some would pique his interest. Most would have him questioning. Well, it was this one guy. I went to a, a, a party with him, and I invited the other guy, and uh, nobody knew the other guy. The other guy, super attractive, um, presumably straight, um, but super attractive, super comfortable, uh, super fashionable, um, all those kind of things, right? I won't talk about if he has money or anything. Um, but just has a look, right? Uh-huh. My mentor was super intrigued, so intrigued that he wanted to, you know, meet up with, he wanted us to meet up again together, which had never happened. And so me and him had a conversation and, um, we, I asked him, I was like, what other kind of men have you dated? Talk to me about him. And what I heard was this consistent story of, him talking to men who were either not out the closet, only had feelings for him as a man, or um, just wanted to, to to have sex with a man, you know, once or twice, right? And I said, "Wow!" So this this goes outside of socioeconomic status. We have um, we have an issue with wanting things that are unrealistic for us, no matter where we stand on. Um, the wealth scale, right? Um, and I think that that's a part of our issue in general. We're so comfortable with um, with wanting things that aren't realistic 
that the things that really could make us happy, the things that really could um, develop us into our greatest potential, um, we completely overlook. Oh, that's deep. Yeah. I don't, I don't even have nothing else to start. <laughs> I'm like, ooh, I'm sitting here like, is this a polite drag? <laughs> like, shit, let me see if my wig on straight right now. <laughs> but no, okay, so let's let's move on a little bit. So what do you think are some ways that we can combat these struggles with heteronormativity? Um, I think it is about like really finding self, you know. Um, I know that sounds super like ambiguous, but um that's what that's what it really lies in. Um, figuring out yourself. I struggled um when I first came out. When I first came out, I come from a small town, I thought I had to be a bottom, um, because that was the representation of gay that I thought I saw. It was feminine, it was weave, it was eyelashes, um, it was, you know, sometimes heels, sometimes boy clothes, but always eight counting. Um, that's that's what I that's what I saw. I was in an eight counter, I didn't wear heels, I didn't wear eyelashes, but because I had that closed mind, I thought that that's what I had to be was a receptive partner. So my first couple tries at relationships I was what I considered a bottom, although I probably only had receptive sex uh, once or twice when I was younger. And once I got to the big city, because I stayed in Houston, I've stayed in D.C. for a while and I've stayed in uh, New Orleans. And once I got to these big cities, I'm like, oh, no, that's not a good thing. Like being a bottom surely isn't a good thing. That's, you know, the less of the, the you know, the lesser of those, you know, uh-huh. and uh I got super, 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 super masculine. Grill and snapback and tattoos and sagging my pants and holding them up in the front, grabbing my balls and shit. And um, and uh, it worked. You know, I got a lot of pussy. I, you know, I had a lot of sex. I got into prostitution, all that kind of bullshit. Um, and, you know, people like me for that. And then as I really got to know myself, I realized I am a lot more masculine than I thought I was when I was 16, 17, 18, 19. Um, but at the same time, I don't have to be my brother who was a straight man, seven years older than me. You know, I didn't have to be like a, a, a dope boy. I could be fashionable. I could, you know, talk to my friends. I could have fun and I could be myself. And now people are like really taken back because um, I, 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 I mean, I live my life. I live my life as my, as myself. Um, I don't necessarily, um, subscribe to like any like masculine feminine labels. I think people would, uh, would, would, would push me to the masculine side, but I, as, as you heard on here, as you guys have heard on here, I'm, you know, I'm not afraid to child and girl and this thing and all that kind of stuff because I am just me. I'm not trying to appease anybody. And guess what? Um, my pussy box stays wet, and I'm not talking about my asshole. Okay. <laughs> Okie doke. <laughs> Talk your shit. Talk your shit. <laughs> uh, let's see. I think that 
Well, first off, I want to agree that people do need to find themselves and know themselves and they need to understand what their normal is versus adopting what they're told is normal. Find out what works for you and then start by being open to your normal being something different than trying to emulate a straight relationship. That probably is the first step because a lot of people are just not open to that idea. It's no, this is what love is. And it's just a small tweak since I'm not into women or for women, since I'm not into men or the other various ways that that goes as far as gender identity and expression. And if we're just, if you just open your mind a little bit, and say yeah. maybe trying to have a relationship like my parents is not what I should be going after. Now, I'm not saying that you can't want to emulate parts of a healthy relationship that you've seen, a, a heterosexual one at that. But you shouldn't be trying to be in a, I don't know, being a... a I dream of genie type situation where it's like, okay, the man, he get up and he go to work and he put on his little bowler hat. He drive off and you at home all day and you got your little apron on and you cooking rack of lamb and shit. Like, like if that's not real life for you, then be open to that and don't try to change yourself and what you want and what you like, because you think that's what you're supposed to do. What you are supposed to do is find out what works for you. Yeah. Um, I also think that we need to continue to fight to get into spaces where we can showcase our own stories in realistic ways. And I, and that probably is more of the small screen and the big screen being TV networks, movie networks, but something that I want to highlight that a lot of people have been doing that I think is good. A lot of gays and lesbians and other people in the community have been writing their own web series, shooting their yeah. own web series and telling the stories that way. And I think that that is amazing. And I hopefully we get to a point where more of those things get picked up by these networks and we can start seeing more shows or maybe even a more progressive type of Noah's Ark on HBO coming on after insecure and we can see other types of like, and it's, it's, I don't want to say it's slowly happening because sometimes we get these shows and then they disappear for unknown reasons or because we don't support them. And I know there's a big push right now to support pose and I've been Mm -hmm. slacking, like it's been on my DVR, but I have not been watching it live. And I, I have to I have to tap myself on the shoulder and be like, hey, you know, you are not helping right now by not supporting the show and not. And it's not because I don't want to, because I've seen ideas of, well, I'm not into the ballroom scene, so it's not really for me. And I was a little confused by that because I'm just thinking to myself, 
not every show that we watch is some shit that we're into. You watch Game of Thrones, ain't no you ain't drive you ain't riding on no goddamn dragons. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Right. Like right. so just because we're you're not, not anyway. Right. So like just because you're not in a ballroom culture, that doesn't mean you can't appreciate a show with black people that look like you that love the way that you love or fuck the way that you fuck because I know a lot of y'all like love no I don't know her <laughs> but yeah I think we need to continue that fight and shout out to the Lena Waves of the world and the Janelle Monets yeah. that are using their platforms to try to hold that door open no matter how much people above them try to slam it after they come in um and I also feel like LGBT people, especially the G, we need to be honest in whether or not we actually want to see normal relationships being depicted or if we only want to see drama and mess. Yeah. For example, that gay couple with those three kids, it seems like to me, a lot of people were only support her because they were waiting for their downfall like when they had that hiccup in their relationship i saw way more tweets about cordell and caleb yeah i'm i'm very bad with names but i'm glad you're not (laughs) (laughs) but i saw way more about them when they broke up than i did when they were being featured and highlighted just for being a couple raising their kids and it's like we have to be honest. Gay men, I feel like gay men are the biggest perpetrators of not wanting to be honest about what it is that you want and what it is that you're into. Because we can yeah. sit here and we can say, I want to see love stories with black men. I want to see more dark skinned gay men. I want to see this. I want to see that. But do you really want that or do you just want to see drama and mess? Yeah. You know? And I'm not That's saying true. there's anything wrong. With wanting to see drama and mess, I do a whole other podcast talking about drama and mess on reality TV shows. Mm-hmm. But what I am saying is you can't say you want one thing when you secretly want something else and you only support the thing that you're not being vocal about what you want. Or maybe you are being vocal about it, but then you're being yeah. one dimensional and you're not wanting to. Again, I use Moonlight again as, a, as an example. Now, if you didn't like Moonlight because you didn't think it was a good movie, okay, fine. But I saw a lot of gays that were just like, I mean, it wasn't for me. I didn't like it. And it's like, why? And they're like, well, and a lot of gays don't want to admit that they didn't like it because it wasn't no fucking in it. Yeah. We just have to be real. We have to be real. And there were some people, some people are whatever you want to call it. They can be real and be like, well, I again, because you got attractive guys as the leads. I get it. You want to see some smanging, but everything that we consume cannot be sex driven. Agreed. Agreed. So, let me hop down off my little soapbox. <laughs> and I was tap dancing like a motherfucker up there. <laughs> okay, so let's wrap this up with the last part. And that is what are some instances where you think that heteronormativity may not necessarily be a bad thing? Oh, that's a good one. I think um, so. I I think I think that um, in the same way we uh, we can't push um, against against uh, 
the idea um, of heteronormativity in terms of like, we can't say like, you know, that's wrong for you to think that that's how it has to be. Mm-hmm. I think that it's also power in saying that if you like that, it's okay. Absolutely. Right? Um, if, if you like uh, heteronormative roles, if you like being uh, a submissive partner that cooks and cleans and you know, gives your money to the to the quote unquote man or whatever that looks like. Um, and if you like to be a dominant partner um, that provides and take takes care of things and makes sure everything is in line uh, for for the household or whatever that looks like, um, it's a great thing. Uh, I know a couple couples like that, and it works for them. Um, I am not here to I'm not here to to say what is wrong for people. I'm here to say that it doesn't have to be right for you. That's it. That's my comment. That's it. I agree with that. Um, I think it goes back to what I said earlier. You define your own normal. Yeah. And if that means all of what Ian just said is your normal, live your fucking life and be happy. Just don't try to force someone who doesn't share that vision into it. Because then you're going to yeah. have problems. Then you're going to be out here mad and you're going to be driving minivans through people's houses. <laughs> <laughs> um, I would say in family settings, I think that there are elements of a heteronormative situation that might be beneficial as long as it's healthy on both sides. Yeah. Um, And just to reinforce what you said i don't think there's anything wrong with traditionalism i think that sometimes when we have these conversations it can come across as us saying you gay why are you trying to be like straight people that's absolutely not what we're saying what we're saying yeah. is that could be unhealthy especially if you have not truly done the work to understand that that is what you want and you're just trying yeah. to accept it because that's all you've seen, that's all you've known, or it's been forced down your throat by friends or by partners that you've had. But I don't think there's anything wrong with traditionalism. Yeah, It's just that when you have to shift your life or you start having these unrealistic expectations of what you want your partner and your family to be, then you get to a point where you probably need to reevaluate. Yeah. 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 I'm with you. I'm with you. Yeah. If you, if you have not, if you have not experienced enough, um, and I'm going to say this real quick. So, cause I know we're coming to the end, but I want to say this real quick. I dated this young boy and this young boy had never, um, dated someone. Uh, we, we were about 10 years apart. He was 20. I'm 30. So, um, and, and he had never, <laughs> He had never dated someone who maybe had their stuff together. He had dated older people, but he hadn't dated someone with their stuff together. And by the way, I'm not saying I have anything like <laughs> crazy. I just got my stuff together. I mean, I got what you're supposed to have at 30, you know, um, or ideally what you're supposed to have, what society says you're supposed to have at 30. And um, I want to clean it up. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and so, um, and so, uh, although he was normally dominant, um, he once dating once he started dating me, uh, 
uh, he realized he was actually a lot more submissive. Um, mm-hmm. um, and so now I talk to him because, I mean, obviously, 10 years apart and gay years, I mean, it probably wasn't going to last anyway, so it didn't last. And now we're friends. I mean, 10, <laughs> year, uh, 10 years, it depends yeah. on the start and the and Yeah, the 20 end. and 30. Yeah. 20 and 30 is definitely a no Those are whole. Right. So anyway, uh, long story short, we talk now, and now he only likes, as he calls them, you know, daddies, you know. Oh, God. Uh, <laughs> because he... Um, because he realizes that um, he is more in a place to learn. So it's just really interesting watching him because coming into this, like he wanted to sword fight, uh, but um, <laughs> both literally and figuratively. But now <laughs> watching him blossom, um, it's been pretty interesting. Look at you educating mm-hmm. the youth. Yes, by fucking them in the butt. Boots. Oh, well, I mean, (laughs) sometimes that's how you learn. (laughs) All right. So that's going to wrap up the main topic. And I thought that that was pretty good. It was fun. And speaking of fun, we're going to end this on a high note. And so let's get into the queer query. Question. So, first question, what is the naughtiest present you've ever given and or received? Uh, so, back in the day when I was dating, um, dating probably the longest relationship I had, um, we used to give each other the present of our alter ego. Um, and Come on, so, I am Sasha Fierce? Not, you know, not completely, Sasha. <laughs> um, I am close to Sasha Fierce, no. Uh, we had <laughs> two separate alter egos and, um, based on whatever the gift was or whatever the person needed in that moment, um, we would give whatever alter ego there was. So for instance, uh, real quick, um, we had this place, I, I don't know if y'all know anything about the Palisian, but it's an hourly home hotel. So <clears throat> we would meet up in the home hotel and whoever was given the present would meet that first. Um, and we had different alter egos, like I said. And so if he needed my softer alter ego, whose name was Dion, he would text Dion. Uh, if he needed my harder alter ego, whose name, whose alias was DJ, uh, he would text that person. And depending on uh, who he wanted or who I wanted from him, because he also had two different alter egos, uh, would be the present we got. So that could be, you know, sexy underwear for him or for me it could be a flashlight um because we weren't really into like threesomes i'm i'm more into monogamy not completely but more into monogamy so we brought different toys to spice it up to be close enough to like a, a threesome or whatever the case may be um and we would just i mean he we got into water sports depending on the the alter ego we got all kind of different fun stuff Woo, I got excited. Uh, anyway, point, yeah. Yeah, that's that the gift. simultaneously <laughs> sounds hot and exhausting. <laughs> I'm not going to lie to you. I was like, should I be turned on or do I feel like I need to take a nap after hearing that? <laughs> like, woo, tsh, man, woo, managing six e- like, 
Whew. It's a lot. It's a lot. But go off. Go off. Uh, let's see. The naughtiest present. I don't. Mm, I don't know about what I've ever received, but I know the naughtiest I've given. I gifted a friend a flesh jack for his birthday. Yes. And you're welcome, friend. That will eventually hear this at some point. You're very welcome. So next question. What's one personality trait you're working to improve? Oh, I am. I'm. I'm a Scorpio, so I'm super um, impulsive, mm-hmm. and so um, I move and I move quick. Uh, that looks good in terms of like my work ethic and professionally. Uh, sometimes it even looks good financially because I jump on things. And get them done but dating and friendship um, I don't leave a lot of room for you to give me a bunch of information before I make a decision mm-hmm. um, and so I'm working on my impulsiveness. okay first and foremost shout out to you for taking that <laughs> that long exhalation like you was in the pretty hurts video <laughs> Ask that question. You was, like, you was like, whew, whew, my aspirations in life." <laughs> um, let's see. I can't say that I'm actively working on any personality traits, but something that I do know that I need to work on is my dismissiveness. Um, mm. the older that I get, the more that I just stop giving a fuck mm. <laughs> and it's getting to the point now where it doesn't take much for me not to give a fuck yeah and it has its benefits don't get me wrong but it also has its drawbacks and I I do enough mental work and emotional work that I can see where I'm falling short but I haven't gotten to the point where I'm working on it because right now I just I don't have it for nobody. <laughs> I just I ain't got it. I'm with you. I'm like broke five broke. I ain't got it. <laughs> I ain't got it. I ain't got it. But one day I will circle back and I will work on it. Maybe. I know that's right. <laughs> <laughs> I mean I'm not gonna act like it doesn't keep me safe. Mm. But at the same time, as there's a fine line between being safe and being sheltered. Absolutely, and I understand that. But right now, I don't feel like I'm sheltered. Right now, I feel like I'm safe. And I'm gonna ride that wave for a little mm. bit more. But but remember, if you always have walls up, that that does keep the bad ones out, but it also keeps the good ones from coming in. Does it? <laughs> <laughs> doesn't I mean no no I get what you're saying <laughs> okay so we're going to end this with a uh, guest question so you okay. get to ask a question um uh, let's keep it fun and funky so like the, what's the, the weirdest place you've had relations oh what are these relations that you speak of I don't know her sex fuck <laughs> Uh, the weirdest place I've had relations. Hmm. Let me think. Let me think. Let me think. I don't know if I've had it anywhere 
weird. Give me some examples of what weird would be. Okay, well, I'll tell you mine. The okay. weirdest place I've had sex was in a pastor study. Uh, okay. Yeah, I had sex with the pastor's son in his room doing church. That's the only place we could meet up. Um, Come that's on. what I would consider. I actually slightly talk about it in my fictional slash non-fictional book, Practice Boy, which you can find on nlhaddock.com. But either way, yes, um, that's weird to me. Uh, I don't think I have a weird location per se, but I think I've talked about this on the show. I did have sex once when I was in college and I was staying in a dorm room, but it's one of those open rooms mm-hmm. and my roommate was like in their sleep and I was sucking dick in the yes. bathroom. That's it. <laughs> That's it right there. Yeah, that was probably the quote-unquote weirdest because that white boy could have got up at any moment. He would have got an eye full. Yes, God. And I would have been like, I mean... Because <laughs> when you asked for the room for Bible study and I came home and you was in here fucking... Mm-hmm. So... <laughs> I, I didn't say anything. <laughs> so I don't expect you to say anything. Nah, nah. <laughs> but I yeah, that was right. that was probably the the weirdest... That was one of those situations like because we couldn't be in the bathroom all the way because it was one of those situations where it was just the shower and the toilet. So it wasn't enough space. So we had the shower running so it would mask the sounds. Yeah. But we were out oh, in the was, open. You you was going live, bitch, if you had to mask the sounds of sucking dick. Well, I, I didn't. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> <laughs> we don't need to get into a full blow by blow. <laughs> no pun intended. <laughs> right. But to answer your question, that's probably it. The other one I can think of probably would be um I don't know if it's weird though, but I did hook up with a guy with a friend actually at his workplace once. Oh, that's everything. I live for those moments. And that was <laughs> That was an interesting experience because we did it in like a conference room. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And so we went into the conference room and, but it was one of those conference rooms. You know how the buildings have the windows that they're like floor length windows or ceiling floor, uh, ceiling the floor, whatever the term is. But then they have a break and then they have a little small section of window at the bottom. Mm -hmm. It was one of those. And I can't remember what he used to cover the bottom part of it. But we went in there, turned that light off, came about them clothes in that conference room on that floor, on them industrial carpets. Oh, yeah. And I mean, you know, you just have to do what you have to do. Okay. This is what I'm saying. This is why you can't. Well, no, I, I, I won't say that. Cause you could, you could still live a heteronormative life and be fucking in the office. You can get your two can play that game on. Boots. Yes, sir. So, with that being <laughs> said, and more of my goddamn business all out in these podcast streets, <laughs> Ian, I want to thank you for taking some time out of your very busy schedule <laughs> to hop on the show. Absolutely. And tell people one more time where they can find you and where they can find your podcast. Okay. Uh, find me on, on um, Instagram and Facebook, Ian L. Haddock. 
uh, Twitter, the normal anomaly. That's D A N O R M A L A N O M A L Y. Um, and the podcast is Dick and the Box. Dick and the Box. So that's Dick without the I and the Box. D C K A N D D A B O X. And that's dot com. Um, we're on iTunes, Stitcher, um, iHeartRadio, and Google Play, soon to be Spotify. So, um, and thank you, sir. Thank you, sir, for inviting me. I've had a wonderful time. Me too. Me too. So you guys make sure that you are checking Ian's podcast out. Follow him on Instagram. He is a little light skinned cutie. Get your <laughs> life. And yes, all this fluffy and finest, bitch. Indeed. Indeed. Listen, <laughs> fluffy boys are it. Fluffy boys are it. Yes. All right. We're out of here. Have a good one. All right, guys, to wrap up this episode, again, another huge thank you to Ian for jumping on the show. Remember, you guys can go to GaySideStories.com. That is the hub for more information about all things GaySideStories. You can email me at GaySideStories at gmail.com for really whatever. If you have suggestions for shows, if you want to try to be a guest on the show if you want me to guest on your show if you want to submit a letter for me to read on the show or if you have a hookup story or a coming out story or really anything all of that stuff you can email to gaysidestories at gmail.com follow interact on social media like the facebook page all of those links are in the show notes for ease depending on what app you use when you listen because some of them i know just kind of jumble everything together but there's not much i can do about that but if you listen in apple podcast or overcast they make the notes nice and neat or if you go to the pippa website and you listen there everything is nice and neat the way i lay it out so it should be easy for you to get to all of those pages speaking of all of that make sure you guys are subscribed Wherever you listen to your podcast, whatever your favorite app is for the Google Play music people, if you're trying out that new Google podcast app, I should be there. I shouldn't have to do anything. But if not, let me know and I'll try to figure out what's going on there. If you listen in Apple Podcasts or if you have an iPhone and you have the purple app on your phone and you love what I'm doing, you want to support me, you want to send me some encouragement, go over to that app, leave a five star rating. If you really love me, then write out a little review. It doesn't have to be long. It could be one sentence. Um, I really do appreciate that. And it helps with the rankings and visibility and all of that good stuff. Make sure you guys are checking out the Sounds of the Stories playlist over on the SoundCloud page. Um, I believe there should be about 31 tracks and probably over the next few weeks during the break. There should be some updates to that. Also, remember, you guys can find me on my other podcast, Ratchet Ramblings with Jeremy and Candice discussing black reality TV shows. I don't want to say there's a different version of me, but because the format is different, you get a little bit more of me, I would say. So if you watch black reality TV shows such as Real Housewives of Atlanta, Black Ink Crew Chicago, then that is the podcast for you. And you can check me out there again. You guys, thank you for listening. You could listen to any of 
hundreds of thousands of podcasts, maybe even in the millions by now. And I appreciate every single one of you that takes some time to listen to this show. Or even if you don't listen and you just download, I appreciate that too. It's a good way to support podcasts. I saw XD from the X from a Jaden XD tweeted that you don't necessarily always have to listen to every podcast that you want to support. Sometimes just downloading it to your phone and deleting it later. It helps us out still. So if you do that, I appreciate it. If you listen to the show, I appreciate it. If you listen and you tweet or you talk about it on Facebook or you post it on your Instagram stories or whatever the case may be, I appreciate that too. Just thank you for the love and the support for this past year and a half that I've been doing this podcast. And as always, you guys remember to protect your walls or they could possibly crumble. So just make sure that you're doing everything you can to protect yourself out here. I'm out. I will see you guys in a few weeks and let's all enjoy our summers. Remember, SPF is a thing, even if you're black. Perfect.